Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. finest internet radio show making a world a better place one show at a time the george water jr show is now on the air take it away dad
All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to be here, and I know you're glad to be uh, listening to the show. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the show and making the show what it is, what it is, if it's anything at all. <laughs> okay, but I'm just being facetious. Uh, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. It's Beautiful in here in the city of Chicago. Folks, I hope it's uh, beautiful where you are. I'm hearing in Los Angeles, California, the state is burning up, you know, not with fires, but with heat. Okay. And that could be the cause of some of the wildfires, but I'm pretty sure they're going to dispute that. Anyway, it's hot in Los Angeles. How do I know um, the World Series? You know, the World Series. And, um, um, I thought the Yankees were gonna was gonna be in the World Series. I mean, they were just winning like crazy, and suddenly they were winning no more. They were out of the World Series, and their manager Joe Garotti, I believe, has been fired. How could they fire this guy? I mean, he brought the Yankees to one game closer to getting into the World Series, and they're going to fire him. My thing is, I'm thinking they fired him because maybe they didn't like him. Um, they fired him because he wasn't an ass kisser. Um, it has to be other reasons of why they let him go. They let go a winner. I'm pretty sure other teams, other ML, M, MLB teams, baseball teams, are going to just, you know, uh, sap him up. They're going to go out and, and, and sign this guy. I, I don't understand some of the thinking with some of these, uh, you know, the ownership of some of these teams, professional teams. They do dumb things. For one thing, I don't understand. This is not a sports show. But one thing, I don't understand. Why do teams trade away their best players? And then they're on a losing streak because of it. The, the best players uh, that they trade away go to other teams, come back, and beat that team's, their former team's ass. I mean, case in point, the Chicago Bulls. I mean, they are winless. I think they're four, zero and four, zero and three. They, in other words, they haven't won a game since the season began at the at the uh, recording of this show. Okay, uh, now once this show is over, <laughs> they might win a game. I don't know, but as of now, the date of this show, uh, uh, the processing of this show on this date, the Bulls haven't won nothing zero and the management traded away a lot of a lot of their uh talent jimmy butler Dwayne wade that's just to speak of just two but they they've uh, traded away a lot of, of uh a talent some people say well we trade them away because we don't really want to pay them any more money it doesn't matter what excuse these assholes these owners managers uh you know uh, scouts or whatever you want to call them. It doesn't matter what uh, excuse that they may give for trading away their best players. Uh, and then, you know, and then their particular team is losing every game. It doesn't make sense. Uh, a lot of these managers uh, of some of these teams, they think that they know more than you or I or any other fan about their team. If you know so much about your team, why the hell are you losing every night? 
you know, um, uh, it, it's just pointless. And the bulls are losing every night. I mean, sometimes they come close. Sometimes they may even have the lead in a certain quarter of the game, but then they suddenly the lead evaporates and they go on to lose. And then you have these people uh, walking up to the microphone explaining why they lost or they're a better team than that. I just don't see it. I mean, Bears, for instance, I mean, they've won so far at the recording, at at the uh, broadcast of this show, they've won two games in a row. And everybody, you know, everybody's throwing, you know, is happy that they've won two games in a row. That's nothing. Two games in a row, it's good, but as long as they can keep winning, keep that positive winning, you know, because the Bears are going in, going into next week's game as the underdogs, nine-point underdogs. And they've just come off a two-game streak. That's that's unreal. I, I guess the, uh, um, the big guys at the top still don't believe in the Bears. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Of course, I'm in the city of Chicago, and my teams are uh, the Chicago Bears and the Bulls. And so, you know, I mean, you're going to be critical of these teams. These guys are making millions and millions of dollars to win, to win. That's all they are out there for, to win. And when you do not win, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. But I can't understand why um, the manager of the Chicago, of the New York Yankees was fired when he, when they were winning their asses off. I mean, I, I'm thinking and I'm saying to everybody that the Yankees are going to be in the World Series. I know I'm not by myself when I do say that. Suddenly they were, it was now it's the Dodgers and who else? Um, Houston, Houston Astros. Wow. And they, they're firing the guy. That doesn't make sense. Okay. That doesn't make sense. This guy, he, he's a winner. He was just one game away, I believe, one game away from the World Series. Because before the firing, the only thing that I was hearing leading up to the World Series was the Yankees and how they were winning. Suddenly, they didn't make the World Series, and they fired the manager. They may get another manager who's a lot worse than what they think this guy is, and the Yankees may next season may start to lose every game uh, that they play. My point is that a lot of these managers and, and general managers and coaches and people at the top, they get rid of their best players. And their best players come back to haunt them when they're with another team and beat their asses. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show, 347 eight five seven one seven six two. Uh be nice to one another out there, folks. <laughs> it's too many people being nasty, rude, and mean to each other. It, that's ridiculous. You don't have to be nasty, mean, and rude, and you don't have to try to stop other people who are trying to reach their goal in life, uh, to tell them that they can't do it or they I mean, stop being negative uh to other people, you know. And I've talked about that extens- extensively a few shows back. And it's going to always be a part of this show is to try to motivate people to be the best that they can be and keep those people who are not supportive of them, keep them away from you. Because only thing they're going to do is bring you down. 
They're not going to support you. They're not going to bring you up. They're not going to uh, say anything nice about you uh, because they don't want you to make it. They don't want you thinking that you can make it or you can or or that you can do better in your life. So keep uh, keep away the negative people because there there are a lot of them out there and they will play on your emotions. You know, they'll try to play on your pull your heartstrings. You have to be uh, and they'll try to uh, pull pull on your heartstrings and how gullible you are. If you're a gullible person, they're going to come after you. Be smart. Be smart. Only keep people around you who support you, people who uh, say positive things about you, people who think that you really have the talent to do what you want to do, think you really have the, the mindset to go after what you want, to do with your life in a positive way, in a positive manner, because there's so many people out there. I've had people um, on my Facebook page and other places come to me and said, George, my boyfriend is just, he's just so negative. He doesn't believe I can do anything. He doesn't uh, support me in any way of what I do. I mean, and, and I've had this young lady um, say that uh, the people around her bring her down, try to um, make her feel like she's nothing when she knows she's something, and it bothers her. It gets to her. And I always tell people, do not let, if you know that you're talented, if you know that you've got something to offer, other people around you bringing you down, I don't care if it's family members, your best friend, get rid of them. If they're not on your side, if they're not with you uh, and trying to help propel you to brighter heights with your talents, then, you know, get rid of them. And I've always said that most people, other people down with real talent who have real talent and they're, they're ambitious and they're, they are driven and they know they want to get someplace in their lives. They don't want to be, you know, hanging around a house or selling drugs or anything. They want to get, uh, do something with their lives. And I'll tell people, um, do it, do it. Don't let other people uh, make you feel bad or embarrass you or talk about you in a negative way. Um, Keep doing what you love. Even if you have to split from those people to be, uh, because if when you're talented, uh, you have to, when you're talented at something and you know you're talented at it, even though other people are probably saying that you can't do it, you, uh, you have to uh, do something to get that talent out. Because if you don't, get that talent out, it will drive you crazy. You know, I mean, you just, I mean, if you, if I can say it another way, if you're creative, you have to create. It's just, you just have to create. Because if you do not create, it's going to eat you up inside. You're going to be, I got to create. I got to find somewhere where I can uh, be alone to create. I don't need all these negative voices. I don't need all of this this nonsense. What I need is support because that's true. I mean, if you're creative, if you have talent, nobody anywhere is going to try to stop you from being creative because you're going to do it anyway. They may set you back a little bit. You may get set back or thrown back because of negative voices and negative behavior uh, towards you. 
But eventually, you're going to settle down and you're going to be as creative as you can. And those people who try to stop you from being creative, they're going to be calling you and all of this stuff. They're going to be acting like they're your best friend when they actually try to stop you from being the best you can do. Most people, when they try to stop you or try to tell you think, tell you that you can't do things when you know that you can, majority of the time, those people aren't anything themselves. They don't want to see you get anywhere because they're not nothing. They're not about anything. And that's the way some people are. Some people may get jealous that you have um, that you have ability to create and they do not. So they will try to um, derail you. They will try to tell you you can't do it because they can't do it. Talented people will not tell talented other talented people that they can't make it. Talented people will not uh, try to get you from not being talented. Only people who are not talented, if they see you talent, you have talent, they're going to try to derail you, uh, make you feel bad, and, and say all kinds of rotten things instead of supporting you. So I've always said, and I will continue to say, keep supportive people around you. If you're creative, if you're talented and you know it, Get the negative people away from you. Put people around you. Get people around you who are going to sing your praises to make you feel as though you can do it, uh, to propel you on, to give you that spark, to give you that uh, push that you may need to be the best person you can be and to be um, productive and to be somebody who... uh, Uh, to be a role model and to be somebody who others will be able to look up to and emulate. There are too many people out here who are talented, but they don't use their talent because other people telling them that they can't do it. I mean, if you got a boyfriend or, or something who are telling you that you can't do something when you want to do it, you have to get rid of him. You got a girlfriend that's telling you, Hey, well, you can't do that. You're not that talented. You're not great. You got to get rid of her. You got family members coming around trying to uh, make you feel bad or ostracizing you or or stuff like that because they want you to feel that their feelings for you is negative because you will not, you know, adhere to them. You don't have to adhere to them. You have talent. If I can say it, my mouth is twisted. You have talent, you have ambition, you have you are driven to be somebody. And if you're that, all of that, no way nobody can stop you from being the best you can be, even though a lot of people, some people, a uh, few people may even try. You have to be big enough to uh, uh, say it ain't going to happen. Never let someone tell you what you can't do. How do they know what you can't do? Never let somebody tell you that you can't make it or or that's silly or that's dumb. You shouldn't try that. Then you try it. All right. You've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. There was something about Donald Trump. I've seen it. I've seen um, a a news clip uh, of Donald Trump saying that he was smart and that he was intelligent. I guess I guess he's trying to counter that most people think he's dumb. And he was trying to say, you might have seen it. You know, it's all over the place where Donald 
Donald Trump is is on television and he sounds he's trying to explain that he's gone to college and all of this stuff and he's gone to Ivy League college and he's smart. He's a very smart guy. He was a very great student. He and he's not uh, uh, dumb in a way. Basically, basically, he was saying he was not dumb. Um, some people, I mean, he's, he, he tries to make things better. You know, I guess he thought he was making things better by going to the camera and telling the world that he um, is very intelligent because he's gone to college and he's got good grades and all this kind of thing. And he's not stupid. And I'm not stupid. I'm not dumb. This basically is what he's saying, you know. But uh, he he said it in a way to try to make things better, try try to make us think of him in another way. I'm here to tell you folks, he failed. He totally failed. Uh, he looked more more idiotic than ever trying to tell everybody that he's smart and intelligent than most people. And through his actions and through what he's been saying and doing, tweeting, we know that's not to be the case. And people on Facebook, all over social media, the the uh, uh, the media, the media in general, they're blasting this guy for saying that. We know better. A lot of people are just laughing. And some people think that Donald Trump is doing the work of Vladimir Putin of Russia. That could be the case because we've never seen his, we've never seen his uh, tax taxes if he have any taxes we don't even know if he have taxes the the guy is just he's just not the president and i've said this so many times he's he has a war on american people i mean everything he's doing now is against the american public i mean and i don't have to tell you because you probably know and uh you know the republicans are just I mean, these people are pathetic. And, and I've, I've been all over the Internet saying, stop voting for Republicans. And people seem to uh, resonate. They're going to stop voting Republican. But still in all, we're thinking that November 8th, November 6th, um, 2018, uh, Democrats going to ride into the office and save the world. It's not going to be that way because there's always a possibility Republicans retaining. I, I, I want to vomit when I say that retaining the House of Representatives and the Senate. If people don't get off their butts and do something November 6th. But I, you know what I think? I think actually, I think people are eager for uh, September uh, 2018 to come around. Not September, I'm, excuse me, if I've been saying September, I mean November. November 6th, 2018. Comes, I think people are excited, excited and ready. I mean, if November, if, if if the midterms were today, people would be out in droves. But let me say this: Republicans know that America is upset. Republicans know that America, Americans, we the people, we are pissed off at them. Donald Trump knows it. Donald Trump. The Republicans may not impeach Donald Trump. But I can tell you this, if if we win the House of Representatives or the Senate or one or, or, or one or the other, if I can say it, they Trump will be impeached. 
I'm not going to say he's going to be actually thrown out of office. It could happen because we all know that impeachment doesn't really mean that you're going to get kicked out. It It's like a warning. <laughs> However, if both the House and the Senate become Democratic and they vote and the votes in both chambers are positive for impeachment, then he's gone. It's like overriding a, a bill or something. Uh, uh, it, it, he's gone. But if the House is, uh, majority of the House members are Democrat and the Senate stays Republican, he will still be impeached, but more likely the Republicans will not vote to impeach him. So he'll just be impeached by the, the House members. And but he'll still have his job, you know. However, let's say if the Democrats, hopefully the Democrats will take both both chambers, the sen the the Senate and the House of Representatives, and he will be impeached. There is no doubt about it because the the majority of the American public wants him impeached. Donald Trump has broken every oath that he has taken on January twenty second. He's broken every damn rule in the Constitution. Uh, the Republicans don't care. They don't give a damn. They're not listening to their constituency. They're not look, listening to the American people. They just don't give a damn. They're taking chances with their jobs. They're taking chances with their uh, upending their families, their colleges, and their, their own health care. Because we are going to be, November 6, 2018, we're going to be going to the polls in droves. And one thing not to forget, the Republicans, they know this. So they are going to try, they are coming up with ways right now to try to keep you from voting because they know that you're going to vote their asses out. And they're coming up with ways to try to stop you from voting. Suppression. Believe me, they are. If one way, if one way doesn't work, they're going to try another way. And one of the ways that they that they can get back into office is gerrymandering. That's a, a lot of that is going on. Gerryman where they uh, fix a certain district um, where uh, the people in a certain district where they can't win. They have to, they can't lose, excuse me. They can't lose, they, they, they just have to win. And we have to fight gerrymandering. From my understanding, the... Um, the ex-governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the actor, Mr. Terminator, he is vowing to fight gerrymandering, which is great, which is good, because we know his wife or his ex-wife is a Democrat. So be aware that they are going to try to stop the vote. Donald Trump and the thug Republicans, they're going, going to try to stop you from voting. I know, I know, November 6, 2018 seems like a million years away when you compare what Donald Trump is doing to America. But you have to think of it this way. Majority of the things that Donald Trump is doing, he's doing it through executive order. Executive order. That means he's just putting his signature on, a, on it, or he's just erasing it. 
Everything that Donald Trump does by executive order and not legislatively can be erased with with an eraser or, you know, can be erased. So if he if he signed a bill uh, saying saying that um, that Americans can no longer sue banks, that's an executive order. The next president goes in, they just erase that right off the books, you know, and make it and make it again so that Americans can sue banks if they find a discrepancy here or there or what. And that's crazy. Not being able to sue your bank. That's crazy, especially if they're <laughs> if, if they're in fault. That's crazy. That's Donald Trump and his war on the American people. That's a Republican Republicans and their war on the American people. I mean, they're coming after everything, folks. They want to, they're coming after your Medicaid. They're coming after your Medicare. They're coming after Social Security. And the thing about it, folks, all of these programs that they're coming after, they're looking for tax cuts. And tax cuts cost money. So they're going to cut all of these programs that, that the middle class and the poor and people in general uh, need to give tax cuts to the rich, give more money to the rich. These people are millionaires and billionaires. Do you think they need a few pennies more? This is just a war on the American public, and we cannot sit back and take it. As I've said so many times, there are 320 million people in America and only a few Republicans how in the hell are we sitting back and letting these people do this? We're the bosses. We're the bosses. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Um, Blog Talk Radio, my guest supposedly is M. Latchy. That's all, I'm, that's all we know of her first name or, or his first name, M. Latchy. Okay, we'll see what transpires uh, for that. But anyway... Thanks for tuning in to the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being out there. Jeff Lake is the All right. Thanks, everybody. We're back on the, on the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Google. Follow. I'm all over the place, folks. I mean, when you're when you're in a business like I'm into, uh, you 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 have to be all over the place. And um, 
you know, um, I, I guess I am. I've always have been. And <laughs> it's fun. It is so much fun. And um, like I said, Donald Trump uh, was on 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 the media, the, on the news, the media, whatever, and telling us how intelligent he was. Yeah, he was he was there. And uh, do you think Donald Trump is intelligent? I don't. I, I do not. If I can say do not, don't, do not. I I, I don't. I I think he's just as wacky as ever. He called the uh, the that representative Wilson uh, wacky. There's no wackier person than our president. Jeff Flake is the senator from Arizona, along with John McCain, of course. John McCain is retiring because of health conditions. Jeff Flake is now retiring because of Donald Trump. He announced today that he is out. Uh, and uh, he explained that part of the reason is because Donald Trump is so reprehensible that he couldn't stomach uh, backing him anymore. And as I will show you a little bit later in the numbers, not backing Donald Trump has cost him any chance of actually winning, which is the most interesting part of this story. So first of all, Flake says there uh, they may not be a place for a Republican like me in the current Republican climate or the current Republican party, um, meaning I'm a decent person and Republican voters are now monstrous along with the president. And I will again back that up with numbers in a sec for you guys. But he's saying, no, I I can't run on based on on this level of fear and hatred. And if I don't, I'll lose. So Flake said he has not soured on the Senate and loves the institution. But that as a traditional libertarian leaning conservative Republican, he is out of step with today's Trump dominated GOP. And he says this this spell will pass, but not by next year, meaning I am definitely going to lose. Again, numbers on that in a second. But first, I want you to hear his powerful speech on the floor of the Senate denouncing Donald Trump and the turn that the Republican Party has taken with him. Let's watch. It is time for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to end. In this century, a new phrase has entered the language to describe the accommodation of a new and undesirable order, that phrase being the new normal. But we must never adjust to the present coarseness of our national dialogue with the tone set at the top. We must never regard as normal the regular and casual undermining of our democratic norms and ideals. We must never meekly accept the daily sundering of our country. The personal attacks, the threats against principles, freedoms and institution, the flagrant disregard for truth and decency, the reckless provocations, most often for the pettiest and most personal reasons, reasons having nothing whatsoever to do with the fortunes of the people that we have been elected to serve. None of these appalling features of our current politics should ever be regarded as normal. We must never allow ourselves to lapse into thinking that that is just the way things are now. If we simply become inured to this condition, thinking that it is just just politics as usual, then heaven help us. Without fear of the consequences and without consideration of the rules of what is politically safe or palatable, we must stop pretending that the de- degradation of our politics and the conduct of some in our executive branch are normal. They are not normal. Reckless, outrageous, and undignified behavior 
has become excused and countenanced as telling it like it is when it is actually just reckless, outrageous, and, dignified, and undignified. A sitting Republican senator calling a Republican president reckless, undignified, dangerous, and this should not be normal. Look, uh, these are amazing times, nowhere near normal because we have uh, this demagogue of a president now driving out any semblance of moderation from his own party. He will replace Corker and Flake and McCain eventually if he stays in charge with other monsters that are even worse. And by the way, I say even worse because Jeff Flake is not your friend if you're a progressive. Jeff Flake votes with the Republicans almost every time. Jeff Flake was considered a radical right winger not that long ago. <laughs> you know, it was just even six years ago, Flake was way right wing. Now, Donald Trump is so monstrously right wing that Flake is going, whoa, what is this? This is not, a, 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 forget a progressive, Jeff Flake is not anywhere near moderate. I, you know, before Donald Trump, I have never s seen him stand up and say, hey, wait a minute now, I am not going to vote uh, for more tax cuts or more war or, or defy the Republican Party orthodoxy in any way. Whatever the donors wanted, Jeff Flake would give them. But he's saying, even for him, this is way, way beyond normal. And these are now all in unison, George W. Bush, John McCain, Flake, Corker, all warning you, you don't understand, we know this guy. The people, we know the people working with them, a danger to the world, wake up. If we don't heed these warnings, later when historians look back, we won't be able to say, "Oh well, we couldn't have seen it coming, nobody warned us. You just saw the warning, and there's more. Here's from, more from Blake. It is often said that children are watching. Well, they are, and what are we going to do about that? When the next generation asks us, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you speak up? What are we going to say? Mr. President, I rise today to say enough. Were the shoe on the other foot, we Republicans, would we Republicans meekly accept such behavior on display from dominant Democrats? Of course we wouldn't, and we would be wrong if we did. When we remain silent and fail to act, when we know that silence and inaction is the wrong thing to do because of political considerations, because we might make enemies, because we might alienate the base, because we might provoke a primary challenge, because ad infinitum, ad nauseum, when we succumb to those considerations in spite of what should be greater considerations and imperatives in defense of our institutions and our liberty, we dishonor our principles and forsake our obligations. Those things are far more important than politics. Look, uh, that's part of the problem here, that the gentlemen are being driven out. Uh, as right-wing as Jeff Lake's uh, policy positions are, here he is in a nice suit, giving a nice speech, talking about forsaking our obligations, using words like ad nauseum and ad infinitum, words that Donald Trump has never known or understood or could possibly utter. And his message is not resonating with Republican voters. He talked about, hey, we're all worried about alienating the base. Why do you think that is, Jeff? Because you created a base that is, I keep saying it because it's true, filled with fear and loathing. 
And so then when you turn around and you look at the base and the base, you look at the abyss and the abyss looks back at you, you're like, oh, that's really, really, really scary. Well, that's the one you created. So thank you for speaking out on your way out. We appreciate that and it is a hearty and important warning and I give him credit for that. At the same time, we wish you hadn't created that base in the first place with 40, 50 years of fear mongering. Okay, more quotes from Flake, he said, the path that I would have to travel to get to the Republican nomination is a path I'm not willing to take and that I can't in good conscience take. Meaning that Republican voters are way meaner than I am. They're filled with far more hatred than I am. And I, that's true and I will get to those numbers in just a sec. He says that it would require me to believe in positions I don't hold on such issues as trade and immigration. And it would require me to condone behavior that I cannot condone. So look, again, I don't agree with Jeff Flake on issues of trade or even immigration. I think he's too right wing on immigration and they are way to the right of him. On trade, I think he agrees with the establishment Democrats and I don't agree with either one of those guys. But more important than those specific policy issues, and he knows this, is the tone. The tone is, oh, it's, it's the immigrants that are causing all the problems. We gotta ban the Muslims. Oh, the gays shouldn't have the same rights as we do. How dare they get married just like straight people? And the list goes on and on. And that is the tone that has driven Jeff Flake out of politics. So here's another portion of his speech. Now, I'm aware that more politically savvy people than I will caution against such talk. I'm aware that there is a segment of my party that believes that anything short of complete and unquestioning loyalty to a president who belongs to my party is unacceptable and suspect. If I have been critical, it is not because I relish criticizing the behavior of the president of the United States. If I have been critical, it is because I believe it is my obligation to do so. And as a matter and duty of conscience, the notion that one should stay silent and that as the norms and values that keep America strong are undermined, and as the alliances and agreements that ensure the stability of the entire world are routinely threatened by the level of thought that goes into 140 characters. The notion that we should say or do nothing in the face of such mercurial behavior is ahistoric, and I believe profoundly misguided. Mercurial behavior. And tolerating it is ahistoric. Man, no wonder these guys are getting run out of town. <laughs> Look, by the way, you're on this speech, you are right, Jeff Lake, but why don't you go out there and say, the guy's a monster? And and people inside the White House are telling me he could create, just like Corker is saying, World War Three at any moment. He's completely unstable. Wakey wakey. Okay, but I, look, as gentlemanly as he is on his way out, I, I'll take it because at least it's a clear, clear warning. So is he right that he, he would have lost and that the base has turned on him? Yes. Let me show you the poll numbers from JMC Analytics and Polling in Arizona. Do you approve or disapprove of the job performance of President Donald Trump? Well, the, the Republicans and their polling likely Republican voters here in Arizona are very clear. 76% approve of Trump. They've seen all that the monster is and they love it. Only 21% disapprove, 3% no opinion. Do you have a favorable or unfavorable opinion of Jeff Flake? Only 22% favorable. Not interested in the gentleman from Arizona. Boo, get out of here. Somebody give me a pitchfork. 67% unfavorable. He's a goner. 
He's uh, leaving now because he would have definitely lost in a primary. Uh, next question, do you think that Senator Jeff Flake should be the Republican nominee in next year's Senate race or would you favor someone else? Only 22% want to renominate Flake, 66% say someone else. Um, and then um, he actually has uh, an opponent already, Kelly Ward. They ask about that if the Republican primary election for the US Senate were held today, which candidate would you support? Flake at only 21%, Kelly Ward at 47%. He is right, he was definitely going to lose. Uh, two more uh, questions from this poll because I found them interesting. If President Trump were to make an endorsement in the Republican US Senate primary, would you be more or less likely to support the candidate he endorses? 56% more likely, 19% less likely. In other words, yes, we trust that buffoonish monster in the White House way more than we trust Jeff Flake. Yes, <laughs> we would take his thoughts and opinions very seriously. Yes, we like him. When he says terrible things about Mexicans, great. Us Republican voters, we agree. When he says terrible yeah. things about Muslims, what? gays, women, you name it. Us Republican voters in Arizona by three to one margin, agree. They agree, they like Trump. They don't want Flake, they don't want someone who's going to push for, I can't well, call moderate. I know Jeff Flake, he's not a moderate, for just simply really right wing positions. You have to be really right wing plus monstrous. <laughs> but one note of optimism from the poll. They asked, these are like. Yeah, they're just stupid. They're stupid. Man, Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder what? Jr. show has now arrived. No.
right. This uh, something just probably this is probably insignificant, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. How long has the wheel of fortune been coming on? I mean, I can remember when my son was a baby. I mean, a baby and he's 18 now. The wheel of fortune was on. I, I, in some cases, I even raised him on the wheel of fortune. My other two kids were uh, small, uh, but I raised my son on wheel of fortune because I wanted him to learn the letters of the alphabet, make sure he knew and how to figure out these clues. And he loved it. He loved it. He still loves it. So, you know, I mean, Wheel of Fortune is still coming on. How how many years? Uh, 20? 25? I I don't know. So, you know, it, it's not that important, right? It, it was just that I'm looking to my left here and the television is on and uh, also Wheel of Fortune. I'm saying this has been coming on almost every night for many, many, many years. And these people have given away thousands and thousands, of, actually millions and millions of dollars uh, since they were coming uh since the show has been coming on especially cars i I have an app of the will of fortune on my smartphone yeah i have an app i you know uh, i mean if i get everything right i'm not going to get any money it's just an app you know but but it's fun it's it's fun all right uh trump officially declares opioid crisis and emergency months after he's saying saying he would Trump can't do anything right. He can't even get this right. But anyway, opioid use is totally, totally an emergency in the United States. The president declaration of a public health emergency falls short of previous indications that he declare a national emergency. As I've just got through saying, Trump can't seem to do anything. He can't even seem to declare a public health emergency or a national emergency. He can't seem because declaring declaring um, opioid use a public health emergency that means that there will be more funds coming in to fight it. Now I don't even know if we, uh, uh, they're going to be getting more funds to fight this because Trump screwed this up and he just got through saying that he was smart, very intelligent, verbally. This is these are his quotes. I'm smart. I'm not stupid. I'm very intelligent. This is what and yet he goes out and do something unintelligent. That's Donald Trump. And you know, so President Donald Trump on Thursday formally declared a public health emergency for opioid crisis and action uh, that has been more than two months in the making. Two months, he's two months late. Okay. Families, okay, this is quoting. I don't want to quote anything this guy says. All right, George H.W. Bush, he's been accused in groping two women. <laughs> George W. Bush, he's in a wheelchair now. He's about 100 years old, but the women, they're not forgetting, you know, they're not forgetting. And now Donald Trump is throwing his generals under the bus in regard to the Niger attack. He's throwing his general. He is the commander in chief. They should be throwing him under the bus. I tell you, I tell you, this is this is what they like. This is what they like. The, I mean, this is what the Trump supporters like to see him go off the walls, 
sounding so unintelligent, thinking that he doesn't have an education like they do not have an education. Trump don't give a damn about them being dumb or stupid. He doesn't care. He wants to just ruin everybody's lives. Trump is going to take away their health care, their Medicaid, their food stamps, their Obamacare, and they still going to vote for him. How can you figure that? They're going to be out on the streets, on their asses, and they're going to still be kissing Trump's ass. I don't understand that. These are some crazy people. We got some... This is bad to say. I I, I thought I would never um, say this, but there are some stupid people in America. What can I say? Some people who are totally uneducated, some people who are just not with it, who are not following what is going on in their own country. Uh, This man and the Republicans are about to take away everything that, that we've gained since the 1930s and 40s, going way back to FDR, the New Deal. Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, all of this stuff is about to be on the chopping block. Why? Because Donald Trump and the Republicans want to give tax breaks to the rich, take money from the poor and give it to the people who really don't need it. Some of these millionaires and billionaires, they don't even want it. They say, I don't need it. What am I going to do with it? It's just a few pennies more. Give that money to help people who are uh, in need. No, no, no. They want to hurt people. They want to see people die because the Republicans do not care if you live or die. They just don't give a damn. They want to harm America. They want this is why they're not impeaching Donald Trump because they want Donald they need Donald Trump to give them everything that they want. They this is what they want. I mean, when I say they, I'm talking about Mitch McConnell. Uh uh cowardly uh, Paul Ryan and a few other Republicans, you know, and yeah, it, it's uh, you never thought of just a few Republicans, a few Republicans. They're out to harm so many people. A few. There's 327, I believe, 327 million Americans in this country. And there's only a few Republicans in office. Why is this happening? This is so backwards. This is so uneven. You're letting all of these asshole Republicans just do what they want. While we're being distracted with Donald Trump's garbage, they're sneaking bills and passing bills under our noses without us ever knowing about it. Because they don't want us to know about it. Because they know if we knew about what they were doing, the Republicans, we would stop it. We would stop it. So they don't let us know. These Republicans, just like Donald Trump, they don't give two craps about the uh, Constitution of the United States. And Donald Trump took an oath. They all took an oath to the the, uh, Constitution, if I can say it correctly. They all took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And now they're taking the Constitution and wiping their butts with it. They don't give a damn. They don't care. Uh, We just have to um, make sure that we do do our jobs in these upcoming elections. We got to make sure we do our jobs. All right, hate has no home here. You know, I mean, Ellen, Ellen DeGeneres, she has a a, uh, show on... uh, uh, 
an afternoon show on every day. I'm hearing that she stated that she did not want Donald Trump on her show. Trump cannot come on my show. A lot of shows are, are saying that Trump cannot come on their show. Trump cannot come on this show. I don't give a damn who he is. He cannot come on my show. And he probably knows it. And he, even if I tried to invite the guy, he probably would turn it down anyway, because he, most of these Republicans care their butts over the Fox, which is a, you know, screwed up uh, uh, network in the first place. They're over there, you know, sexually harassing women and all of this kind of thing. So that's where he goes because he is by, by the, you know, access Hollywood tape. He's a, he's a sexual harasser. And that's where he goes to join his own company. All right. Uh, <laughs> you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. show. Yeah, Trump declares opioid crisis an emergency two months after saying he would. Uh, you know, can this guy do anything right? You know? Wow. Yeah, I, I think Ellen DeGeneres, I think she has a great, great talk show. She has some of the greatest guests on, and she's always doing she she's always doing so many nice things for, for people. And that's that's great, you know, for, for ordinary people. Something Republicans uh uh blow their nose on. I mean, they can't stand it. But folks, we have to take this country back. I mean, we just have, it's our country more so than theirs. We elected them. We can throw their asses out. They, you know, I mean, it's coming. It's coming. So you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. They got this health care plan that's coming up. Not, not the health care, but the budget. They got taxes. You know, they're going to get that stuff through. I mean, because they're in control. The Republicans are in control of everything. Democrats aren't in control of anything. They can complain, stand back, get out of the way, because the Republican train is here. And they are planning on tearing America down and rebuilding it in their own image. And once the Democrats take over, the Democrats can correct a lot of these damn mistakes, a lot of this garbage that the Republicans have put on this country and I, like so many others, are saying, just stop voting for Republicans. Stop voting for the GOP. You see what they're about. They don't care about anything or anybody. It's what they want for the country. They don't care if you live or die, what color you are. They are going to uh, destroy the country regardless and say it's good for the country. You see how many Republicans are leading the Republican Party? You see how many uh, Trump supporters are saying that they're surprised and they can't support him anymore? The Republican Party is a party uh, uh, that's not of, of 20 years ago, 10, uh, 30 years ago, or even 10 years ago. These, these are scoundrels. They're thugs. They're aiders and abettors. They're criminals. This is what the Republican Party is. You know, because they're trying to destroy America as we know it. By destroying America, it means that they don't like America. They don't like America. They're doing everything for the rich. And the rich is saying, we don't need no tax cuts. We don't need any tax cut. 
But the Republicans are going to give him a tax cut anyway because they want to hurt the middle class. They want to hurt the poor. They want to hurt the disabled. They don't care about anybody. They know you're out there dissatisfied. They know we are dissatisfied. They know we are complaining. They know we want their asses out. They know all of this. They know this more than you or I do. They know it, but they but they're going to still go on with their reckless attitude of this country, of this country. And we just can't sit back and do nothing like we're doing. There's so many people out here who are sitting back complaining and crying about what's going on, but they're not doing anything about it. Of course, people are calling uh, their senators. They're calling their representatives. They're calling the capital. But let me say this. Yes, you are. But these people are not listening. They're not taking your phone calls. They will mute the calls that are coming into the capital and get their dirt done. Obviously, they don't give a damn about their careers going forward. Because going forward, we're going to vote them out. We're going to vote every one of them out. But if we don't be careful, and if we're not smart, they will reign forever. You got to realize there's a lot of dumb people out here. And Republicans, they know how to cheat. They know how to cheat. They've been cheating for a long time, cheating and lying and conning people to get in the office. And the thing about it, the, the people are suckered. Trump suckered a lot of these people, a lot of these uh, GOP uh, senators and representatives suckered their constituency into voting for them. Now they don't give a damn about the people who voted for them. They don't give a damn about the people who gave them their jobs. They don't give a damn about the people who gave them their excellent universal health care. They don't give a damn about the people who made them rich in order for their kids to go to college. Now they want to get rid of public schools. They want to get rid of uh, um, Medicare. Uh, they want to get rid of all kind of regulations that keep you and me safe, to keep companies uh, from taking advantage of us. They want to get rid of that. They're getting rid of that because that the money that they take from those programs going to the most powerful, the rich. And they don't give a damn if the rich, some of the rich say, we don't need it, we don't want it. Republicans are evil, they're mean, they're racist, they're white supremacists. They don't give a damn about nothing. Yeah, we need a leader, but we don't have a leader. Don't think about Barack Obama. It, he's not, it's not in his fortitude to do anything like this. We need a Martin Luther King. We need somebody who's going to not be afraid to take it to these Republicans. We cannot sit back and let them destroy this country because that's what they are doing as I speak, and that's what they have done. And they're going to keep doing it until it's the way they want it to be. They want to give this country to the rich. They don't want the rich 
not the working people, not the middle class, not the poor. They want to give this country to the rich. If you really want to know something, the middle class and the poor built this country brick by brick. And they want to take it away from you, just like they took America from the Indians. Native Americans who were first here uh, in America. If you want to talk a little history. However, we have to take this country back. I mean, we have to. We just cannot sit back and let this happen. Well, I can't. I'm in a wheelchair. You have a phone. You have friends. You have family. Keep calling. Keep calling into uh into the Capitol building. Keep calling your representative. Keep bug them. You know, bug them. You know, uh, if you don't know the number, the number is 202-225-3121. And you can always find that number on the internet. If you have, if you, if you, if you have online access, the number is online. Call them. But just like I got through saying, they're ignoring a lot of these calls. They know that we want Donald Trump out of our White House. They know it. And they know that we want their answers out. So they're doing their dirt um, while we're not paying attention or while we're, we are distracted. That's the name of the game, folks, being distracted. You know, so while they're doing their dirty, while we're distracted with Donald Trump and his garbage, the Republicans are uh, killing America. I think they're, I, I actually think the two of them are uh, in cahoots together. Donald Trump, you distract America while we try to get this done over here. While we try to get rid of Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid, every kind of regulation there is. Food stamps, get rid of it all. Housing vouchers, you know, get rid of it all. As I was saying yesterday, a lot of the social programs in the city of Chicago have shut down. A lot of people can't get, get those programs. And the ones that are still open, they're on the verge of shutting down because they're not getting any money. The governors cut all kinds of, cut the funds to to nothing where these programs can't, can't um, function. Senior centers, senior centers, senior centers, if I can say it, Meals on Wheels, you name it, daycare. I mean, they have shut them all down for the homeless, mentally ill, um, I think it's about 30 or 40 programs that they've uh, shut down in the city of Chicago for the homeless, uh, for the middle class, you know, help with um, this or that. Uh, food stamps, I mean, that's been cut to the bone, if not outright eliminated. So people are, are, are hurting. And jobs are, jobs are not that hard to find, but, you know, um, there's more competition than ever. So it's 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 tough. It is really tough. And then we have a um, a Congress that even they're even more meaner and vicious and vindictive and hateful than anything. We have a big problem on our hands, folks. We have a big problem on our hands, and only the American people, only we can fix it. We have to fix it because if we don't fix it. We're going to lose. As I've said before, Donald Trump is at war with us. 
the people of America with us. You know, why is he at war with us? Because he knows most of us don't like him. We don't think he's worth a damn. That's why. It's not like he, it's not like he is fulfilling his uh, campaign promises. This man is just vicious. He is just, um, he's just vicious. But he's our president until he's not our president anymore. Hey, now we were just talking about that shocking phone call from the new guy to a fallen soldier's widow. And joining us live right now is the Florida Congresswoman who witnessed the call. Please welcome Congresswoman Frederica Wilson. General John Kelly put his reputation on the line for this president when he attacked Congresswoman Frederica Wilson with multiple. All right, welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio out of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois. Folks, we are in some trying times. We are in some dark times. We must fight for an America without hate. We must fight for an America without bigotry. We must fight for an America without racism. We must fight for our rights. We must fight to continue to be Americans. Some of those rights are being threatened, taken away. But we have to get out here and fight the good fight. You know, and it has to be done, folks. It has to be in a non-violent way. We know how to do things non-violently. So let's go out and make our voices heard. Fighting non-violently. Democratic Congresswoman Frederica Wilson of Florida. Congresswoman, thanks so much for making time for us this morning. Good morning. So I want to just, before we get into the specifics of what General Kelly said, I just want to get your thoughts on everything that has transpired over the past 48 hours. This very public fight that you seem to be engaged in with President Trump and General Kelly. President Trump just last night, in case you missed it, at about 11 p.m., tweeted about you. He says the fake news is going crazy with wacky Congresswoman Wilson, a Democrat who was secretly on a very personal call and gave a total lie on content. What's your response to all of this? You know, uh, my emphasis today is on my constituents and helping them lay our hero to rest. That's where I'm, my head is today. And I'm also concerned about him and his last moments. I want to know why he was separated from the rest of the soldiers. Why did it take 48 hours for them to find him? Was he still alive? Was he kidnapped? What's going on? I thought you were supposed to put your comrade across your shoulder and get on the helicopter with the dead and the wounded. Why did they leave him? I am distraught and so is the family. There are so many questions that must be answered. And I have written a letter for an investigation. 
They keep saying to me, oh, we're going to give you a classified briefing. I can hardly wait for that classified briefing because I am concerned about my constituent today. And I am concerned that he is not able to have an open casket Mm. funeral. And that is very painful to his family. Oh, we can only imagine how devastating all of this has been for his family. And you're not alone. Look, Senator John McCain, so many people are calling for an investigation into exactly what happened here so those questions can be answered. But I'm curious, Congressman, did you hear General Kelly's remarks in the press briefing room yesterday? I heard his remarks and I heard him say that I bragged that I uh, secured the money for the building of the FBI uh, building in Miramar, and that's a lie. You know, I feel sorry for General Kelly. He has my sympathy for the loss of his son, but he can't just go on TV and lie on me. I was not even in Congress in 2009 when the money for the building was secured. So that's a lie. How dare he? However, I named the building uh, at the behest of Director Comey with the help of Speaker Boehner, working across party lines. So he didn't tell the truth, and he needs to stop telling lies on me. Well, his point was, I think, that, uh, and though you're right, he didn't get the facts right on that, was that empty barrels make the most noise. And he was using that, he was likening that to you. Basically, that you're... You're I think that's a, that's a racist term, too. I, I'm thinking about that when uh, we looked it up in the dictionary because I had never heard of an empty barrel. And I don't like uh, to be uh, dragged into something like that. The only thing I want to be dragged into right now is bring back our girls who are the victims of Boko Haram in Nigeria. I have been fighting this fight for almost Four years, 276 girls were kidnapped from their dormitory in Nigeria by Boko Haram. Boko Haram split, and now one sect is with ISIS. And that multinational task force that was set up by Congress with Cameroon, Chan, Niger, and Nigeria, my constituent was there. Sergeant... Jackson was there on detail. He was not fighting. He was giving advice. Hmm. And he was killed and abandoned. And I feel guilty because this is what I do every Wednesday in Congress. Bring back our girls. We wear red. We're concerned about Boko Haram being the most vicious terrorist organization in the world and we never really hear about Boko Haram yeah and Boko Haram and ISIS combined and they killed my son you're you mean Le David Johnson Sergeant Johnson Le David 
Um, Congresswoman, you know, there my are just a couple... My role model son. My I role understand. model son. You were his, his mentor. I understand how long you, you go back with his family, and you knew him from childhood. But there are some things that I just want to get straight about. And all about. of his brothers uh, uh, and all of his cousins. Yes, you're, you are, you're more than, obviously, their congressman, their representative, and they're more than your constituents. But, Congresswoman, I do want to get a couple of details straight here, because it sounds like there was a real disconnect in terms of what President Trump was trying to say to Sergeant Johnson's wife and what you heard. And so I just want to go to that point, because we now know from General Kelly and his remarks yesterday that the president came to him and said, these calls are hard. What do you think I should say? And General Kelly was able to share what the casualty officer told him. And he shared with the president what he thought was an effective message. So let me just play that moment. Uh, for you of what General Kelly said. He said, Kel, um, he was doing exactly what he when he was killed. He knew what he was getting into by joining the, that 1%. He knew what the possibilities were because we're at war. And when he died, in the four cases we're talking about, and I assure my son's case in Afghanistan, when he died, he was surrounded by the best men on this earth, his friends. That's what the president tried to say to, a fam to four families the other day. So, Congresswoman, when you hear General Kelly say that the words, he knew what he was getting into, that sounds an awful lot like what you say the president said to Sergeant Johnson's wife. Does, this, does hearing General Kelly change how you heard that conversation. That is not a good message to say to anyone who has lost a child at war. You don't sign up because you think you're going to die. You sign up to serve your country. And when he says he died surrounded by his friends, he was abandoned. That did not apply to him. He was abandoned for two days. For 48 hours. Yeah. Why? Why yes. didn't they pick him up and put him on their shoulders and, like they did the other fallen comrades? Yes, I, I and understand. Put him I, on that, a I mean, General Kelly. And take him to safety. He could have still been alive. So when you say he died surrounded by. Well, he's his talking, friends, General Kelly, just to be clear, General Kelly is, there is talking about his own son. He's talking about no, but we're the talking casualty about officer that told him about. that. We're talking about a specific soldier, and when you, every soldier is different, and every family is different. And when you have a young mother who is six months pregnant with two small kids, you say, I am so sorry that you lost your husband, Maisha. Johnson, you call her by her name and you say your husband. You don't say your guy. They were married. And you say, I am so sorry. You have our deepest sympathy. If there's anything this nation can do to ease your pain as your president, please let me know. I am so sorry. That's what I would have said. And that's what he needs to practice to say. He doesn't need to talk about what people sign up for. That is unconscionable. Um, he, General Kelly, 
also said yesterday that he was absolutely stunned by your reaction, knowing from where he sits what the president intended, that he was stunned that you had misinterpreted it, according to him, and that he was stunned. He said he was also stunned that you would have listened in on that call because to him, those calls are sacred. Can you respond to that? I wasn't listening in. I was in a car where a, where a call was being taken on a, on a, on a uh, speakerphone. I wasn't listening in. Don't, 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 please don't uh, characterize it as that. And um, I still go back to what I said from the beginning. Call her by her name, Maisha Johnson. Call him by his name, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. He is not her guy. He is her husband. And that is the part that hurt her the most. General Kelly. That is the part. Uh, something I think that is important to bring up. General Kelly said that he was so stunned and frankly hurt by your words and your reaction that in order to gather his thoughts, he had to go to Arlington National Cemetery and he spent an hour and a half walking among the gravestones there of the people that he thinks, you know, have made obviously the biggest sacrifice and are the finest people in our country. And because he was hurt that way, I'm wondering if you have anything you'd like to say to General Kelly today. To General Kelly, I have lost members of the Role Models Project in war before, during the Iraq war. We know what it is. We feel for you just like we feel for LaDavid's parents and LaDavid's wife. You have my deepest sympathy, but I would never say to you, your son knew what he was signing up for. That would not be a part of my sympathy message to you. How does this public fight that you're having with the president and now General Kelly, who called you out obviously yesterday, how does this end? Is it time for you all to get on a phone conversation? Is it time for you to speak to the president directly? It, 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 it probably could end with the president reaching out to the members of the 5,000 Role Models of Excellence Boys and helping me to make them good men in society instead of trying to degrade their sponsor who's working so hard every day to keep them on the right path, sending them to college, and trying to keep them away from the criminal justice system. If he wants to help us, I sent uh, something to him with the Congressional Black Caucus. It's called the Commission on the Social Status of Black Men and Boys. It would help us if he helped make that a law and establish that commission in the White House. That would help our entire community. And, and how about, Congresswoman, from your end? Are you willing to allow today that it's possible that you misinterpreted what the president's intentions were in that phone call to Sergeant Johnson's wife? There's nothing to misinterpret it. To misinterpret, he said what he said. I just don't agree with it. I don't agree that that is what you should say. I agree. He said what he said. He said what he said today on the opioid crisis. And a lot of people are, uh, I just said a minute ago that, uh, 
he gave a a, a speech on the opioid crisis. A lot of us felt that because it's so so uh, uh, out of control that he was going to put some money towards it. But now it seems he's not going to put money towards this crisis, this public uh, emergency at all. In fact, he want to cut what money that's going to the opioid crisis to solve this. This man is just crazy. <laughs> he doesn't give a damn about America. He doesn't give a damn about anyone. Um, now he wants to cut instead of giving more money to try to uh, to try to uh, solve this problem, the opioid crisis. He's going to cut money from it. So that little talk he did today, yesterday, and two months ago meant nothing. Trump and his goons, they cared nothing for America. They don't give a damn if you overdose on this uh, o- uh, o- over the, uh, this prescription drug. It's not an over-the-counter drug. It's a prescription drug. Uh, they don't give two craps about that. This is why I keep saying we've got to get this monster out of there or he's going to get us out of here. That is no doubt about that. We have to vote, 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 and keep voting blue, vote independent, vote against these Republicans. Never, ever put one of these clowns back in office, whether it's governor, representative, senator, uh, whatever. Uh, Stop voting Republicans because they are criminals.
Bye-bye, everybody.